Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. Um, (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to Let Me Introduce You. We are a film and friends podcast where three best friends from film school uh, get together. We talk about movies that we like. We introduce each other to movies that at least one of us has not seen. We'll break it down. We'll talk about why that movie is important to us, why we picked it. And so I am joined by my two stunning co-hosts and one extra co-host behind Graham's head. He's got a very special background today. Do I ever. (laughs) So, uh, yes, I'm joined by Graham. Hi. Hi. And I'm Graham. (laughs) Hi, hi, I'm Graham. (laughs) I'm I'm just Twitter painted by my background. That's why. I am as well. I love that word. Um, And uh, Ashley, she's there. Hello. Hey, y'all. And so, and my name is Katie. Obviously, I forgot. (laughs) The most important part. Um, Most important person. The most important person today. uh, Because today, I am giving us our second installation in our current theme, which is... Apropos, sequel sensation. <gasps> woo woo. Sequel sensation. And uh, so, uh, my dear, dear listeners, if you had listened to our last episode, you listened as, as Graham moved our hearts and our souls and our, our minds with Paddington, too. Oh, I'm still crying. I know. Who, who I isn't? It. I love it so much. Uh, do not listen clearly. If you if you've not watched the movie, you need to do that immediately. So you can pause this. I'll yeah. give you a reprieve. But yeah, and come back. Yes. But in true Katie fashion, I've gone a completely different direction for my sequel. Since and it would it would it's only appropriate to, for you to to swing in the other direction. Wild. It's like it's not even a hard left. It's like no. an up up down left down like up down I, left. I don't right. even know what happened. It's it's it's. it's if you felt uplifted by by our episode last time, you are going to feel completely not the opposite. Confused. Um, You're going to be confused. Yes. Confused well, and depressed. Don't make them look forward to this conversation. You're going to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So today, I, I am so honored and happy that I made them watch 1970s Beneath the Planet of the Apes. The uh, true sequel in a range of Planet of the Apes, five original films. Of course, I'm not counting the remakes from 2000s and 2010s and the TV show. But yes, I'm, I'm so happy to talk about this movie today. But before we get into it, Graham, oh, yeah. would, you, would you please uh, give us the box office numbers for this? Yeah, so this opened in May of 1970. And, you know, back then, films didn't open immediately into thousands of theaters. So it... It actually just opened uh, in in four theaters its first weekend, but still managed to open ninth at the U.S. box office oh. with about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay, so that's for four theaters for that time period. Like that's pretty insane. And ended up grossing about nineteen million dollars, which in today's tickets ticket sales is almost one hundred and forty million dollars. Wow, well, that's good. So on a budget of two and a half million, it was really, really profitable. And and what's interesting, I think we might get into this, Katie, is that they initially had more money. Yes. But they cut they cut the budget. So Yes, we're going to get so, into a lot of that, yes. So um, a good budget cut. A big hit. Yeah. A big hit. Which is gonna be funny when we talk about it. So um, keep that in mind, listeners. This was a big hit. Big hit. So Ashley <laughs> Was it though? <laughs> It was. No, that it, it, it was. Well, no, I'm just saying for my opinion. Actually, it made almost ten times its was budget. Was it though? Eight times its budget. I mean, <laughs> money-wise, yeah. Actually, don't tell your opinion yet. Yeah, okay. don't you say I'm sorry. It. God. <laughs> yes, you just have to do the synopsis now. Okay. Don't give your opinion yet. But yes, Ashley, uh, you know, so this was Graham and Ashley. This was both your first time watching it. Yes, ma'am. This was both your first time watching any eight movie, right? Uh, I've I saw the Tim Burton one. Okay. That the yeah. abomination that is that movie. Okay. I purposefully did not watch any other Planet of the Apes um, because for every movie in this theme, I have only ever seen the second one. Like I saw the second one first and I thought I should just keep that up. So for those of you who are are like Ashley and Graham and not seen it, Ashley 
is going to give a lovely synopsis of this film. I can't wait. I know, me too. It's been such a long time since Ashley's. And yeah. this is, would the, we the, describe the, my synopses as lovely or slapdash? Fever dream. Exciting. No. Fever dream of Ashley's it's perfect, synopsis. Yeah. It's perfect, Ashley, that you give the synopsis for this film because it, it, it feels very off the cuff and, you know, stream of thought. So yeah. I, I think it's a perfect fit. Okay. I'm going to do my best. It's it's either going to be shorter or way longer than it needs to be because um, I had trouble focusing last night. So, okay, beneath the planet of the apes, we start <laughs> on a beach with a um, shirtless Charlton Heston. I was about to say chestless. Nope, that's not it. He's just not, he's, he's just a wearing chest, a loincloth yeah. and. There is... A Hestless Cheston, if you will. Thank you. That's why I was mixing it up. Um, and there oh is God. an ape a, uh, tied up <laughs> and a couple that are just kind of wandering. And Charlton and his silent female counterpart are, I don't know, Charlton and what turns out to be Nova. Nova. Thank you. Nova, the female. Um, Charlton and what I find out is Dr. Zayas, which I was like, I get it now. Guys, remember the Simpsons? Ref- <laughs> That's Dr. Zayas. Yep. yep. I don't know. They're talking about something, and Dr. Zayas is basically warning him, like, don't go into the forbidden zone. Don't don't try to find the beginning. And Charlton's like, fuck you, and I know how to use this gun, and whatever. And he hops on, you know, his horse, and they ride down the beach, and they find a essentially, like, buried Statue of Liberty. It's, like, up to her collarbone, and he's just, like, so, so upset. So that's our first indication if you've never seen the first one, that you are indeed on planet Earth, but in the future. Mm-hmm. And then at some point we see another wreck and there's like two white guy astronauts and one's just like laying there and he's clearly hurt. And there's like Brent guy who's coming out with a, what's it called? A first aid kit. And he's trying to help out the other character whose name I already forget, but he dies shortly after, you know, and they're like, it's 3955, or that was the last reading, and they went through some weird, like, time loop, and now Brent is just freaking out because he's like, I'm all alone on this planet, I don't know where I am, I don't know when I am, and lo and behold, who should arrive but the gorgeous Nova riding on a horseback sans Charlton Heston, and... They try to communicate. Um, There's a lot of, like, weird flashbacks. Like, that's pretty much how Charlton Heston appears throughout most of this film, is just in, like, some weird flashes. And then let me just uh, reference other people who did uh, some better preparations. Uh, So Brent is like, we're trying to find Taylor, and he's trying to talk to Nova, like, Taylor, and they connect over the, the dog tags and... Eventually, uh, Brent just hops on the horse and they they try to go find civilization. And Brent is shocked to discover all of these apes, which are both gorillas and chimpanzees, you know, standing upright, speaking very refined English, having, uh, I don't know, almost look like like back in Roman times when you're like everyone's Mm. gathered and talking and being all intelligent. And there's this gorilla who is basically talking about how terrible humans are. And he's like, we don't hate them because their skin is white. We hate them because they're stupid. So a lot of uh, like social commentary. And then a line that I feel like was directly ripped from Little House on the Prairie, where they say the only good human is a dead human. So lots of... What? what, what? Wait, it's pause? What? Don't you know that? Also, Little House on the Prairie. It's a bunch of shit. I, I don't... I think that was... That was a riff on history. I don't think that was a riff on Little House on the Prairie. There's literally a line in Little House on the Prairie that says the, I'm, and excuse me, none of us on this podcast believe this, and I think Lauren goes wilder is a piece of shit, even being from Minnesota. There's literally a line in the first Little House on the Prairie that says the only good Indian is a dead Indian. So that's uh, the only reference I know it from. So I was like, terrible. oh, so you're, but like, they're making this point because I feel like there's a lot of like social commentary woven throughout mm. all of this, which I think is what makes sci-fi and other stuff so great because you can make a lot of this commentary. Anyways, Brent's all freaked out. There's this one Dr. Zira who she's like not standing up and her husband's like stand up. We're going to get in trouble, right? And Brent and Nova end up at Zira's house. Zira gives them proper clothes. She bandages up Brent's arm and is like, you need to escape. They're going to kill you. So Brent and Nova try to escape. They get caught. We see these scenes of 
gorillas and um, chimpanzees, so like the apes basically capturing all of these humans and rounding them up, and they're going to use them for target practice. And Zira saves them. She tries to study them and be like, oh, no, they have a very different like occipital whatever cranium um and they escape uh and some other things i get a little distracted and (laughs) they somehow end up in the new york subway system and you actually see some pretty cool sets and they find taylor who's being held hostage by these humans who are so advanced they don't even need to talk they completely uh, communicate through is it telekinesis? No, telepathy. Is that the word? Through their mind. They're talking yeah, through their mind. Telekinesis is when you can move stuff with your... Thank yeah. you. All that stuff is fascinating. And then there becomes this like major tension between Taylor and Brent and the other humans. And the super advanced humans are like putting thoughts in their mind. They're trying to make them like kill each other. And then Brent and Taylor snap out of it. They kill one of the super advanced humans. They're trying to get there. At some point, the super advanced humans take off their like human faces. And then they just look like these sort of like raw skin, but with a lot of veins. And I was like, well, I guess that would make sense if you live under the earth. And at the same time, the chimps and the gorillas are like trying to find them because they're like, we're going to fucking kill them all. And just some weird, interesting battle scenes. And it all culminates in realizing that the humans worship a nuclear bomb. And Taylor and Brent are trying to hide away from all of the apes, but then they see that they are going to end it. And so Taylor tries to distract him so it doesn't kill everyone. And it ends with a shot. Uh, Taylor, a.k.a. Charlton Heston, reaching up his bloody hand to detonate uh, the bomb. And we end with it saying that the small green star orbiting a large star named Earth is no more. Uplifting. That was the That's worst right, synopsis yes. I've ever done. So. You're welcome. You're wel- I'm setting the bar real low for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what did I miss? I, I think you got I think most you got it. most of it, yeah. Ashley. I think you got most of it. I felt like I either was on drugs when I watched it or should have been on drugs while I watched it. Sure. Ashley, very, very well done. Yes, we, we start the movie with a man realizing he's in the future and everyone he's ever known is dead. And then we end with the movie... Killing the entire planet Earth and everyone on it. So, this is my follow-up to Paddington 2. Not Paddington. <laughs> Paddington 2. Not Paddington no. 2. Graham, uh, since Ashley was speaking a little bit, uh, I'd like to know your opinions for seeing this for the first time. Okay. So, okay. for not having seen the first one, I mean, I knew it happened. Yeah. At the, everybody knows what happens at the mm-hmm. end of Planet of the Apes. I felt like the little couple minutes at the beginning helped anybody who was their first time watching it kind of get an idea of, of what we what the Planet of the Apes truly is. So that was helpful. I like that. There was so much... Okay. I didn't love it. Sure. Yeah. But I do think that the themes of this are super, super interesting and in the yeah. allegories that of just how we as humans have treated our Earth. Basically like, hey, we need to take care of of this or else <laughs> something catastrophic will happen to our race. So I felt like when we watch something that's made years ago, the pacing is so different. Mm-hmm. And like the first five minutes is literally Taylor and Nova riding on a horse over vistas. Yep. And I was like, well, this could have been cut. I mean, this was not a long, it was a nine, 90 minute mm-hmm. movie. And I felt like it really stretched it out. The makeup I thought was really cool. I liked all the the, the makeup jobs on, on all of the apes. And even the humans with their weird, like, veiny faces were super interesting. The highlight for me is James Franciscus. Obviously. Who's your background? Um, yes. who, who is my background? He can get it. <laughs> he is so I'm sexy. Sorry, can you move your head just so I can have a little reminder? Yeah, wait. Okay. Move your head. A perfect guess. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Listeners, I'm kissing his picture behind me. Sure. Um, he is sexy as fuck in this movie. I was like, yum, yum, give me some. Mm-hmm. And I also read that he was really excited about doing this movie because he could show off his body because he's a, like a, he was an avid tennis player. And he's like, good, everyone can see how good I yeah. look. And I said, thank you, James. Get it, James. Do it. Show it off. <laughs> Feel good about yourself. Okay. So I was fascinated that this was like, the follow-up to a huge hit, and it was so cheap. Mm-hmm. 
I just am surprised that you had a big hit as much as, you know, Planet of the Apes was. And and um, we'll get into this, I'm sure, yeah. Katie. But, like, you would think that, that 20th Century Fox would want to give more money into a sequel that that especially um, has these themes and, and, and has these whole added thing of, of these other humans. And I was just very surprised at how cheap it looked and how much it looked like a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the character of Nova really bothered me. <laughs> just because I, I don't know what her direction was, but it was just stand there and look blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty useless. And I just wanted, I don't know, I mean, a different time period, I don't know, but I wanted her to have some drive and some some big, big, what's the word? Motivation? Uh, you know, motivation. But besides just, you know, finally saying the, the name Taylor at the end, that was like her big thing. And then she yep. shot yep. and killed. Yep. The ending is so disappointing. Because um, I, 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 did they run out of money? Because it just ends. Yeah. And and you don't even have like a final thing with James Francisca's character. It's all back to Charlton Heston. So it's just like I don't know. It it didn't work for me, but I I liked what it had to say, but I feel like it was just cut short yeah. by by the ending. Well, thank you, Grant. That that was a yeah. that was a more positive response than I was expecting. I think Ashley's is not going to be as positive, but um, I I appreciate that. And listen. Both of you and and to to our listeners, I know this is this is generally regarded as one of the worst ape sequels. But I hope with some of the things I'm going to say later that will that will change your mind. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I understand this is not everybody's cup of tea. So I I also understand that this is more of a I'm making you guys watch something terrible that you never ever would watch. Um, so thank you. But anyway, Ashley, what did you think? I think I didn't get it. I'm going to be okay. really honest. I think the reason why I wasn't into it is, one, I worked 10-hour days last week, so I was really fucking tired. Yeah. You've um, been going through, been some, going stuff, through some stuff. So. Yes. I was on strike for several weeks. Got to reapply for my own job. I worked 10-hour days yeah. this past week. So I think I was both like tired of not putting myself in the right frame of mind, which you know seems to be pretty consistent for me. Maybe something I should work on. But I think, Graham, what you mentioned about how just how much slower films used to be and how they could build and other things like that. I think I have gotten too used to so many quick cuts and I'm, I really watch just like a lot of television lately. And so even when I watch hour long episodes, it's still a shorter, tighter story. And so I've conditioned myself to that. It was, I don't know. It was, I guess there were parts of it that were interesting. I want to know more. I think I was too tired to really analyze it and think about what was the historical and political context at the time. I mean, it's 1970, right? You have like Summer of Love and there's the mass movement and civil rights movement. And there clearly is a lot of commentary and Graham, like you said, like allegory to things that are going on. But I had a hard time interesting myself in it enough to be able to grab onto those things. Although there were some really interesting, like super quick cuts and it really, for a film that was a bit slower or had essentially like a little bit more like static camera movements to have those like sudden quick cuts was jarring, but I think it was also meant to be jarring. Right. So I think I will appreciate it more upon hearing your insight, Katie. But at first I was just like, eh, (laughs) <laughs> totally get it. Total, and, and completely, completely fair. I chose this be, for a few few reasons. One, I love the original. Love, 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 love the original. Love everything about it. it I love the, the character of uh, um, Taylor. He, I like how cynical he is. And like su- the, the, the hero of that movie is such a piece of shit. And <laughs> he, he is. Like, he, he's basically like, all of humanity should die. Don't, you know, but then he like changed. So like, the original is like a masterwork. Uh, and I highly recommend you watching it. It does have the same slow pacing, but it doesn't look as cheap as this one does. And it's it's much more clear on its messaging, and uh, it's it's just a tighter, better film all around. So I love that one. But this one, uh, <laughs> our hero of this one, Brent, is um, you know James Fran- Franciscus. 
And uh, he has d- mm. been described as the caffeine-free Diet Coke version of Charlton Heston, which is oh, yeah. Why, yeah. He was, why he was hired uh, is because of how similar he looked to Charlton Heston, uh, except oh, better. he's much sexier. Yes. He's much, I mean, yeah. I don't even think Charlton Heston's not sexy yeah. at all. James Francisco's, ooh. Correct. Mm. Uh, but what I love is the, like, all the ape stuff in this movie, I'm not that crazy about, in all honesty. I think, you know, because of the budget, the makeup, like, is mostly masks. The messaging and, like, the allegory to both, like, Vietnam War protests at the time, but then Mm. also, like, fears from the Cuban Missile Crisis. Like, Mm. it's all very, very blatant. It's not hidden or, like, woven into the story in a clever way. I love the second half of this movie when things get weird. Like, but when, when, when Brent and Nova go underneath the subway and you start to see... Queensboro Plaza, even though that's an above ground train station, it's fine. Um, Lots of things have happened over a thousand years, right? Yes, yes. Although Queens Plaza is an underground station, so either they were wrong or it got buried, but whatever. Seeing that and then seeing all the sets and like the ruined New York and then like seeing this cult of irradiated humans essentially and like how they've bastardized this religion into the thing that destroyed them in the first place, which is, you know, the human bomb. It's like, I love all of that. And you guys have heard me talk about this before, but I'm like, I love science fiction movies of like the late 60s, early 70s. Um, you know, it's I, I like their themes and the style and like dystopian or not. I, it, it's called new wave science fiction, apparently. Mm. So... A lot of these, the new wave science fiction films deal with themes like entropy, postmodernism, surrealism, and utopia. So, like, this is a perfect example of it, but so is, like, Logan's Run, or Soylent Green, or Omega Man, 2001, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Alien, Planet of the Dinosaurs, which I have not made you guys watch yet because you'll also hate me for that one. But I'm interested. I want to see all the dinosaurs. It's so good. It's so good in, like, the best synth soundtrack ever. But, we just need to have a dinosaur you know, theme. Just straight up a dinosaur theme, and then fine, every time you can tell fine. us everything you know about dinosaurs. I would be more than happy. But I, I love movies that feel like that. And, like, you know, we, we're coming out of, like, the space race and, like, the moon landing, like, you know, all, all were fresh in the mind around this time. And, like, just I just... They're very interesting to me in a way that modern science fiction movies aren't. And I don't know whether that's an effects thing, whether it's a feel of it, because... In all honesty, Charlton Heston is not an attractive man, but he is the leading, nope. like, attractive man in the first movie. And in this one, he's still supposed to be the quote-unquote hero. But I like how dark things get. And Oh, it's so dark. But it's dark yeah. in, like, a goofy way. And that's what a lot of these movies do. They try to, like, get these really dark themes in ridiculous ways. But, I don't know, I just... I love it. So, I'm, I'm glad you guys were able to watch it. <laughs> but uh, what, I'm glad that I got. To, I'm glad that I know who James Francisco is. I am now. too. Uh, I know he died young, but I know emphysema. I know. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about uh, with this, and and Graham, you've touched a little bit on it, is basically how a sequel is made and why in turn in like around this time period and then versus modern day. So like. Mm. Okay, so the first Planet of the Apes movie comes out in 1968. It was so immensely successful, of course, 20th Century Fox wanted to make another one. But nobody really made sequels back then. Like, the best thing you had was maybe James Bond or, like, the Pink Panther movies. Okay. But nobody really made franchises back then. That was, that was not a thing. It was, it was viewed as cheap. Which is quite the opposite now, because people are like, oh, I don't have to negotiate, um, you know, intellectual property rights, so let's just keep pumping out things from this IP. Mm -hmm. Or remaking them from this time period. Yeah. The the first movie was was so successful, but they went through a litany of of problems. So Charlton Heston didn't want to come back, because he viewed sequels as cheap, he didn't want to do them. So he said he'll only come back on two conditions. One, he's in this film for a really short amount of time, and two, they kill him, so he doesn't have to do anymore. So, see, things, you know, met. Successful. Yeah. Check. Successful. But the biggest thing was that 20th Century Fox was kind of in the middle of, like, financial ruin and bankruptcy. Their last three big-budget movies, which were Tora, 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 Star, and Hello, Dolly, which all have exclamation points in their name, by the way, uh, were all failures. 
And so they had to cut the original budget for this movie from $5 million to $2.5, which meant, you know, they had to reuse sets. Some of the sets in this for, are from Hello, Dolly. That's right. I read that, yeah. that the, the scene where all of the apes at the beginning are, like, doing their speeches to each other about how they want to kill humans, yeah. Yeah, that is from Hello, Dolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the scenes at the end with, the, like, the human cult and, like, the fight and, like, the big staircase and everything, that's from Hello, Dolly also. No. Mm-hmm. Yep. I gotta watch Hello, Dolly now. I've never seen it. But uh, apparently no one else did at this time either. <laughs> uh, so they had that problem. The original writers, screenwriters for the first movie were uh, Michael Wilson and Rod Serling, who couldn't come back for this one. You had uh, Roddy McDowell, who played Cornelius in the first movie and all the subsequent movies, was busy directing his first film, so he couldn't come back for this. With Kim Hunter? Yeah, she didn't want to come back because she hated being in the ape makeup all the time. She plays Zira. So nobody... Nobody wanted to do this. Uh, also, the, the original director bowed out, so they brought in director Ted Post um, to further reduce costs. He was mainly a TV director, which could be why this looks like more of a TV show. Yeah, I was reading about how they picked him because he was known for staying on or under budget. You do what you, you got to do, man. Love to put but, the art first, you know. Yeah, and it was all just like how... It, but, like, one of the other big things was how do you follow up the original movie's ending? Because this movie, of course, showed in the, in the first few minutes, like, Asha, like you were saying, you know, humans nuked everything and, and ruined the planet. And so how do you follow that up? How do you follow up that surprise ending? Apparently you do that by killing the entire planet. So <laughs> Wait, so that's why everything looks like shit is because we just nuked each other into desert oblivion? Yes. Yes. So in the first movie, uh, which is one of the other reasons that the first part, the first half of this movie feels so repetitive and like not as interesting to me is because it's basically a repeat of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Like Charlton Heston, although much better. So even if you didn't, Ash, if you didn't like super care for this movie, you still should watch the first one. But yeah, it's like Charlton Heston and his crew land on this planet. Uh, they don't know where they are in time. They know they're in future. And they see the planet is overrun with... Um, intelligent apes and that men uh humankind is is been reduced to uh mute animals so uh they de-evolved which is so interesting because that's the humans that live above ground right are the the mute animals but the humans the subterranean humans are the super advanced ones yes and you said that's because of all of the or you either you believe or is that kind of the backstory of like they evolved because of all the radiation from the bomb Yes, so the humans that are underground in this movie are the ones who, you know, retreated beneath the ground during the original, when the original thing was set off, the original bomb was set off, and they, I guess, grew to worship it, yes. Also, what did you guys, did, were you guys surprised when they took their masks off? Because I, I remember that when I was a kid. I was. Yeah, I was I really like surprised. That. Like, I didn't, I didn't think about it. I didn't assume, like, I... Literally, I kind of feel dumb being like, oh, yeah. I mean, if you're living with a nuclear bomb, yeah, that radiation's going to fuck with you, right? And I didn't, it just, it didn't even hit me. I did love how they made fun of him because they're like, oh, he has a simplified mind. Like, he can't follow multiple conversations and anything else at the same time. But, like, why the, Why do they have masks then if they were, I don't understand that. Yeah, that part that is I a little confused. Know. I don't know. Also, where were the where were the children apes? I saw no baby apes. Or baby humans. There so uh baby humans you don't really see. Baby apes, so they have a whole bunch of like children and like <laughs> it's funny. In the first one they have like a mom and her kid in, in a they're in a museum and uh, you know, she sees Charlton Heston running through the museum and she's like, No, no, there's a you know, loose animal, stay away. And, oh, okay. Yeah, there's 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 children apes in, in Ape City, so and a child ape is, is a very important part of the next movie that follows. Okay, but like how do you have the next movie when the planet has been destroyed? See, that's another or question has of like Is it? How do you make sequels when you keep trying to one up the endings, right? Oh, it's like Police Academy. <laughs> so it's exactly just... <laughs> like Police Academy. Yes. Excellent correlation right there. Wait, so can I you... can ruin Oh, go ahead. 
I can ruin the next movie if you want. Please yeah, do. Please tell yeah. us about how they continued to make three yeah. more movies <laughs> and then decided to, you know, remake these in the early 2000s and make a TV show. So I Wait, there was it. Wait, when was the TV show? I'm sorry. So, what was this? TV show was in 1974. So, oh, okay. uh So, you've got Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which comes out in 1970. Then you have Escape from Planet of the Apes that comes out in 1971. Then you have uh, Conquest, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, and then the TV show, and they're coming out yearly. So 71, 72, 73. Um, So they're just cranking them out. They're cranking them out at this point. Um, Like Police Academy. Obviously, like Police Academy. (laughs) Um, And then, uh, yeah, then Tim Burton does the remake in 2001 with the the Abraham Lincoln at the end that I absolutely hate because it makes Abraham no sense. Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and then uh, in 2011 is when you start to see like Rise and Dawn and War, none of which I've seen and I have no desire to. So, but They're pretty big hits. Though, they're I very think. big hits. And one of the cool things about these movies is that they each make extreme commentary on certain political things so Mm. you know this one had you know a lot to do with like uh war and religious zealotry and things like that the first one is about um how how people are treated how how you know it's it's a lot about like slavery and animal rights and then as time goes on because we get into kind of like like the escape is is it has a lot of like themes with like refugees and how they are treated Mm. um Mm. So each of these movies has has a, a pretty solid allegory, but I will ruin, I'll ruin Escape for you, which okay. is really it's it's actually Escape is probably the best one, uh, the best of the sequels. So you know at the end, the whole planet dies. They set off the the uh, doomsday bomb. Earth is destroyed in the year thirty nine fifty five. The third Planet of the Apes movie opens present day, so quote unquote present day, so nineteen seventy one earth um and a spaceship has landed in the water and out of the spaceship come three apes it's uh zira cornelius and uh this other scientist dr milo so zira cornelius and this other scientist escaped in taylor's old ship from the first movie before the bomb went off but the ship was Destroyed. It was another right? in the first movie. Taylor's ship went into the water, so they pulled that mm. out. Um, Brent's ship was destroyed. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they they pulled that up, and then so apes land in present day, Los Angeles, nineteen seventy one. Oh, and it's okay. it's very good because then like how do people deal with talking apes? They're treated very similarly to how people saw talking humans in the first movie. There's like political uh, inquiry and like. It's 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 a really really good movie. Um, okay. And uh, Zira is pregnant in the movie. Ooh. But with whose is... baby? <gasps> oh my god. With Cornelius's baby. Although, to so when they were talking about sequels, so the, this this whole thing is based on a book written by Pierre Boulet or Boule. I don't know how you say his last name. And he he you know contributed to writing on the first one, and his idea for this one, for his sequel was uh, Planet of Men. So what would have happened in his idea of what a sequel was is um, Taylor, at the end of the last movie, runs off with Nova and starts a new like colony of talking men again. Um, they rise up, there's a big war, and uh, they, um, they, uh, the apes regress back to uh, uh, primitive, so they don't talk hmm. anymore. And they're like, that's boring. We don't want to do that. Yeah. They also had a half-human, half-ape baby, which ah! they did a makeup test for. And Have you seen it? I have seen it. Okay. Wait, explain that to our listeners when you say they did a makeup test for it. A makeup test is when they test out makeup. So they have a concept, and they're like, what would this look like? And then they, they have their makeup artist run a test on, on an actor, and see what that would look like, how it's lit on film, things like that. So, did they have to do that on an actual baby, or do you think they used? It was like, like a, a it was like a three year old. It was like a three or four year old. An actual three year old. I would be impressed to find a three year old who would sit through the application of makeup and everything else. Oh, I mean, it it didn't seem like 
It, the, the makeup, it, it wasn't like facial, full facial appliance because it was half makeup, half ape, mm-hmm. which they, of course, scrapped because it's kind of gross. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, kids do that stuff all the time. They had, did it in Star Trek. It's true. And when you want to be a child but, actor, if it's really your desire, mm-hmm. you do it. Katie, can you tell us more about... So, I was really fascinated by the makeup, but you were saying a lot of it was masks and I realized when I was watching I asked Bob at one point because sometimes when we stream things the audio gets out of sync and you have to pause it and then start it again but I now that you're saying mask and now that I'm paying attention I'm like oh yeah because when their mouth moved like it was very clearly not not as well timed so can you talk to us Mm. more about them like the makeup and mask in this film versus the original yeah yeah so uh a mask versus uh the prosthetics that they had um, and I, I think I've talked about this before, but where uh, when you do a mask, uh, a, a prosthetics appliance in several different pieces, it makes it look more real because all of the facial muscles and things in your face move at different, you know, it's not all one thing moving all with one piece. Mm-hmm. Like your mouth is moving, but your eyes are staying still. Your eyes are blinking and you're, you're smiling, but like your chin is doing something else. So a prosthetic is the same thing. It's, it's a different pieces. So it'll be a... Uh, a chin piece and a mouthpiece for the nose and then like um, parts of the forehead or cheeks for, for uh, a different movement. A mask is, of course, just one piece. It doesn't move when people talk. It doesn't move um, at all. It's, it's mainly just a mask. Um, and because the budget was cut so significantly, um, most of the actors in this, in this film that didn't have speaking lines were wearing masks. Although some who spoke mm. wore masks too. But uh, the makeup budget for the first film, I think, I think it was the biggest makeup budget of any film, even to date. Hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah. So when you, when you see, especially when you see uh, Ursus like giving his war speech uh, in the opening scene, and you look at like the section of like orangutans and apes and chimpanzees you can see some of them just like sitting there with their mouths open it also makes you think about how there's less detail right so i imagine with Mm. prosthetics it is tailored to each person's face right because we all have different face shapes etc and when it's a mask they're probably just more mass produced because it's like oh let's just get it done and we don't really care about this and you have to think about how having a mask versus prosthetics is really going to affect the performance. And it makes me think about with actors, like how to do all of those sort of like nonverbal and that evocative, like, you know, you can see that in literally any art where an actor, it's not so much what they're saying, but how they're moving or a look they do, or just certain small, subtle movements that I think really separate out people who are really, immersed and wonderful at their craft versus people who are like, well, I'm just like an actor. Like when I think about my own limited forays into trying to do some acting or like, I don't know, in high school, I remember like presenting, like being an MC of something. I was so focused on like memorizing my lines and like making sure everything was in the right order instead of being immersed with it. Whereas like my co-host had just fully felt so comfortable and he could be casual and react and do all that. And I think, I think that just sets it apart, and so... Well, is it because you were wearing a mask and he was wearing a prosthetic? Yes, exactly, but okay. they uh, weren't actual. I was just trying to hide who I really was because I was a very uncomfortable, <laughs> depressed, <laughs> unmedicated teenager. Um, no, so but yes. it just, it makes me think about that and, like, how that affects performance, you know, and sure. sets apart, like, average to exemplary makeup teams for people who really understand that. Like, you're talking about facial muscles, and I'm like... Oh, I bet like special effects artists study anatomy and figure out like yes. where do I need to attach it in order to mimic the movements or if someone has had an injury and I need to mim- like cre- recreate that with prosthetics, where would I attach it to help like prevent certain movements from happening? Yeah, oh my god, like they absolutely study anatomy. You have to because you have to make stuff look real. Like you can't add a muscle that's not really there or <laughs> you know put like put something in the wrong place otherwise it's gonna look fake um yeah and it makes me wonder like i was watching this and i was thinking about the difference between filmmaking 50 years ago where of course there were some in-camera tricks and some editing stuff but it was so much more relying on 
sets and makeup and costuming and everything else and thinking about the transition to green screen now. And I think that is a much different challenge for like actors or whatever, but it also makes me wonder like what is taken away when we so rely on a digital piece? Like how does that make it harder for actors? I don't know. I'm thinking of um, when, Aaron What's-His-Face played Two-Face in the Batman that also had Katie Holmes in it. And, of course, I can't remember who the actual Batman was. But, like, you know, like how part of his Christian jaw. Bale, yeah. Yes, thank you. And, like, like part of Aaron's, like, Two-Face's, like, literally part of his jaw. Like, Aaron thank Eckhart. you, Aaron Eckhart. And he was not in the one with Katie Oh, Holmes. were those separate? Am I, like, like yeah, mixing yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal. My bad. But you know what I mean? Like, I, like I'm thinking of that, and I'm like, could they have achieved that look was that done solely on makeup or is that also some CGI or like some digital effects mixed in? And like, how does that affect performance? And I don't know. It's just, these are the parts where filmmaking is truly an art and a science and they're really detailed pieces. And, and it really sets it apart from like, I'm just going to make a movie versus I'm making a fucking film, right? Like with Paddington too, that is a fucking film. So even though I was kind of, it's a it's masterpiece. A masterpiece like, even yeah. though I was kind of bored, I was like, oh, but what about these pieces that I'm not thinking of? Graham, when they made Paddington, did they have a Paddington, like, did they have, like, a, a bear on set for people to react to? I don't know. That's a really good question. Hmm. I would imagine probably or just, like, something just as a stand-in. Yeah, like a real little bear. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that would, from the darkest Peru. <laughs> That would oh be God, both, so much did, insurance. Uh, talking animal movies, Graham. Oh. And next week, there's several talking animals. <laughs> there are none talking animals next week. Um, there's talking T-birds. One other thing I did okay. I didn't want to say. Uh, I have a question for both of you. I love questions. And I mean but that seriously. Before, before we get into that, I just want to say one quick thing. The writer for this film, Paul Dean, who also wound up writing the rest of the Apes movies, his First screenplay, uh, Seven Days to Noon, won him an Oscar, but you probably know him better as the writer for Goldfinger. Oh. Mm -hmm. And The Spy Who Came In From the Cold. Oh, Mm -hmm. I have not seen either. (gasps) You've not seen Goldfinger? Ashley, have you seen? I haven't seen many of the James Bonds. Well, that is the best one. So, um, as much as Kitty's you guys, so disappointed. I'm She's so like, well, Kitty, do you remember <laughs> when you? Do you remember when you created? Yeah, you created a really beautiful like thirty days of horror for me, and I am still yeah. working my way through some of those. Still haven't watched the invitation, but I really want to. Um, but I think you need to create like a thirty days of X. And you just need to create a list of things that I'll, like, actually... And, like, what I loved the most was your tiny synopsis, but also what you loved about it. Like, I think (laughs) I didn't... I wasn't um, investing enough in my love for you when I watched this to be like, what does Katie love about this? Even if I think it's hot garbage, what does one (laughs) of my best friends really love about... What can I discover more about Katie and what makes Katie Katie in watching this film? Oh, what makes Katie Katie <laughs> if you watch it for this film? Um, I would suggest if either the two of you or listeners, if you like these sorts of themes and you like like future dystopia, watch the original Time Machine because that is also freaking amazing. Uh, and not also because this is not freaking amazing. The original Time Machine is amazing, and it it deals with like a lot in the future, and it deals with a lot of like two societies and what happens to humans in the future. It's so so good. Um, but the question I wanted to ask the two of you, yes, uh, and it, it it's going to be your choice. You have two options. One, option one, you are the astronaut that's flying into time, and you are the human that lands on the planet of apes. What mm. do you do? Or you are the astronaut that gets flung into the future, but it's not a planet of apes. It's a planet of another animal that has risen to prominence who can speak. What is that animal? And, and what would you uh, do? It's, it's Phoebe, my doggie. <laughs> is it talking dogs? Oh, my God. That'd be amazing. How fun. I think you would run into some of the same problems. I don't care. It's doggies. <laughs> but dogs do not have opposable thumbs. I feel like that's a really key thing in rising up. 
they they'll evolve. Yeah, or you know they can make they can fashion fashion gloves or maybe they don't need them. You know, I bet Phoebe could do that without could do it now. She's smart. She's very smart. She's so smart. Wait, so I have to choose between Yes, yeah, so either or you can answer both, but I'll answer both, yeah. So if dogs for me. Dogs for you, okay. If I flash forward and it was another animal. You know what I would want? But it's highly unlikely, but hey, this is like a sci-fi future thing. I would want to flash flash forward into a world where octopi have risen up because they are already so fucking smart, but it would also be terrifying. But also would the whole, be would the whole world be underwater or have they evolved to live both on and off? Wa- I don't know. I li- God, what would their pants look like? What would their pants look like? Which <laughs> ones are arms? Which ones are legs? Or are they all like, which, how does a dog wear pants? Right. Is it just on the back or is it on the lower half and all of them? Do dogs have four legs or? <laughs> dogs do not have four legs. They have two back legs and two front paws. Okay. Yeah, I think it would be, um, I like to say octopi um, as as the plural form. But okay. just because I think they're fucking fascinating. And don't you dare fucking eat them because they're so cool. And like a little part of me feels like they're aliens who have gotten stranded on Earth. They're really tasty, though. Stop it. I mean, well, I really like bacon, right? And apparently pigs are super smart, so I, I, I guess I do. Oh, oh, <gasps> Ashley, that's where the line is from. Uh, it's it, the uh, the only good human is a dead human is from George Orwell's Animal Farm. <gasps> Interesting. But Which is before Little House on the Prairie. Was it? I'm going to look that up right now. 1944. I'm going to look yeah. that up right now. When did Laura Ingalls Wilder? Or is it just one of those lines that exists... Um, and just gets reused. Mm. So, oh, Orwell. Of course, Orwell would do that. <gasps> Little House in the Big Woods in 1932. Hmm. <gasps> hmm. Thief. Somebody get George on the phone. George. Call George. George. He's dead, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know what? I do ask that question of people who are very obviously still alive or quite clearly dead. So. <laughs> That's legit. Our memory is referenced. I always like being like, oh, so much up. Oh, are they dead? <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah, Graham, so you are the sexy astronaut in this version. You <gasps> land on the planet of apes. What do you do? I would... This is really hard because I'm not confrontational. Okay. So I wouldn't want them to be, like, mean to me. Okay. But I would be like, hey, y'all... I'm, I'm Hi, new. I'm, I'm new. Graham. Hi, I'm Graham. It's so good to meet you guys. Um, love the outfit. Love um, all this. What are you doing to moisturize? I'm very interested to know. It's all the steam room. Um, steam room. The steam room. The, the steam room scene was, I love, okay. So in the steam room scene where he picks up and covers his genitalia. I know. You cannot see. I was see. like, yeah, this is G-rated. This is G-rated. See. Dr. Zayas' genitals. Thank you. You can't. I don't. I didn't. I don't want to. Oh my God! How many types of porns have been made out of this? I'm sure many. Ashley, mind gutter, get out of it. I mean, come on. We're all thinking it. I'm just saying. I can't. I'm not. I was not thinking about because I only have a work computer. So (laughs) I guess I could use my pocket computer. That's why you use your phone. An incognito mode. I always look at porn on my phone. Eight porn. God damn. No. I look at all porn, <laughs> all other porn on my phone. No, not just apes. Thank you. Speaking of which, thanks to our sponsors. <laughs> Aren't we all apes? Xhamster.com. <laughs> I would, I don't know, Katie. I would be like, I, I would, I would stand away and observe and try to find the nice, the nice apes and then say, hey, guys, look, that's something crazy happened. I just landed here. What's up? Who can I talk to? What are we eating? What's for dinner? What's what's happening? <laughs> what's going yeah. on? That's Ashley, just what, what would saying. you do? Um, am I the sexy ape, or am I going to get relegated to a non-speaking female role? Uh, you would be the astronaut. You would be the only surviving female astronaut, because the female astronaut from the first movie, her, uh, her containment thing cracked and she died. Oh, so through no fault of her own. Through no fault of her own. Although she was supposed to be, quote-unquote, the new Eve for the new planet, so maybe it was for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Creepy. Multiple men, but just one woman. Great. Good job. Good job. 
This is sex tapes. Yeah. Yeah. What would I do? You know, much like Graham, I am not actually that confrontational in most regards. Even though people are like, I bet you would put up, like, you'd fight or whatever. And I'm like, I just, like, really pick and choose it. I think I would do my best to hide and observe and try to learn a lot about their own, just, like, their own inner workings. Mm-hmm. So that when I needed to reveal myself, like when I didn't have enough food or water or anything else, I could start to mimic their mannerisms and cultural customs so they wouldn't just immediately kill or imprison me. Mm, that's smart. That sounds like a lot of work, Would you go, would you go under, undercover as, uh, as an ape? I don't naturally have enough hair and it is very light colored. <laughs> So I don't think that would work. Oh, you'd be an orangutan because you're a redhead. True. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it would work. You know, what's interesting, Graham, is you say it would be a lot of work, but like a lot of us do, or like a lot of like neurodivergent people do like mirroring and we're constantly paying attention. And sometimes I think that's why people like me because I am just subtly mimicking other movements um, because I just, I want people to like me. But then other times I'm just like, no, fuck you. I'm out. I'm one of those weird people where I'm like, mm. I want to be liked, but I'm, I only like a small number of folks, right? Mm. So. Okay. Well, these are these are good these are good answers, and they actually talk about mirroring in the next movie because they think that uh, Zira and Cornelius are not actually intelligent apes; they're just mirroring. So. Mm. Um, well, Katie, you have to answer the question. Yeah. I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. See, I would I would say dogs too, except I keep thinking about the Rick and Morty episode where dogs rise. Have you guys seen that one? I have not. Tell no, us more. I'm not that much of a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, no, there's a Rick and Morty episode where it, it's like it's early in season one where the dogs kind of like become super intelligent, um, and of course they get really mad at humans because they're like, you know, you neutered me, and you know you. Uh, you know, made me live in your house, and you rub my face in the carpet when I pee and things like that. So it it doesn't go great. Um, Do you remember when that was the, people... the thing that people thought would get dogs to stop peeing? Is that you had to rub their nose in their pee? Who the fuck had that idea? Who knows? Who knows? Knows? Um, knows. But <laughs> uh, so, but I would still probably say dogs because as long as I was a good person to dogs, hopefully that would be fine. Um, and then. I would do the same as you guys. I would want to, like, watch and observe. But I feel like the the possibility of getting caught would be really high. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I would stick around Ape City. I would probably still keep exploring and see, like, what else was on the planet. Um, that's mm. probably what I would do. Yeah, like, try to steal a bunch of supplies. Yeah. See if you could just going. go hide and live your own yes. your own life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, or just like figure out like what else is on this planet. Because if we're just in one part, yeah. in one section of it, what else is out there? So that's probably what I would mm-hmm. do. But we, uh, as as we as we come to the end, of course, I must ask the inevitable question that I already know the answer to. Uh, would you guys watch this again? Mm, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would just look at photos of James Francisco's. Fine. I will give the same answer I gave to my dad and my older brother when I told them that we uh, secretly eloped, Um, but I said, hey, I have something to tell you, and they asked, are you pregnant? And that answer is, fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. No. No, I. You know what? I I will go watch the first one, though. Um, I, I hope you both do. I think it's I think it is time. I think I will make a double feature of it. I will watch that and the first Paddington just because I love you both so much. Oh, I love it. You're going to love it. You're going to love both. Mostly Paddington. <laughs> but it's like, which one do I watch first? Right. Yeah. What feeling do I want to end on? I'll probably end on Paddington because I need really uplifting stuff. Yes, lately. of course. Yeah. Yeah. No. Pa- no. Uh, yeah. And on Paddington for sure. Uh, well, thank you. I uh, I have a mini. Let me introduce you for this week. <gasps> I was going to okay. have a mini. Let me introduce you. <gasps> oh, oh my god, I do too. No, no, I don't. I can make one up, but <laughs> whatever you want to do. I don't know if mine will be approved by the group, but that's we'll we'll figure it out. Have either of you watched the show Severance? 
No, but I've been hearing such good things. It is so good. And, um, I mean, it's... Talk about sci-fi, which it is. But it's an amazing, amazing show. It's like it's like a masterclass on how to write tension. It's so good. And the the season finale just aired this week. So the whole season one is up. Oh, um, good. So I can just, like, blaze through it You all. can blow through it. Um... I cannot recommend it enough. I don't think enough people are watching it, but at least it did get renewed for a season two. Thank God. But um, yes, cannot recommend it enough. It's it's, it's on so, Apple TV, so right? It's on Apple TV. Okay. Um, all the actors are amazing. The performances are so good. Ben Stiller is the director for a good chunk of the episodes. Mm. It's awesome. Please, please, please watch it. Cool. Nice. Okay, and then Ashley. Definitely. I was going to say, now that you're like, you have to watch Severance, I'm like, oh, right, and I have to watch my brother's show, We Crashed, which is also on Apple TV. Oh! So, yeah, I haven't watched that one yet. Me either. Um, I've gotten really bad at my, you know, he's just started working on Sorry, so much. It's hard, it's hard to keep up, but I will. I will. Um, okay, so uh, I did not discuss this with the team before I introduced it. But as some of you may or may not know, our very own Katie Kubert is a total fucking badass and amazing career woman. And so I would highly recommend our alma mater, Boston University, interviewed her and wrote this amazing article. Um, you can go to bu.edu and search super, superheroes run in the family. I'm like getting a little bit choked up because even though we've been best friends with Katie for over 20 years and like, you know, you talk about stuff, but you don't get in depth. I got to learn new things and just see how much more even fucking amazing she is at her job and at really just at storytelling. And so we're very proud of her and you must, must, must read this amazing article on her. It's a privilege to know you. Thank Thank you guys. That's so sweet. Thank you. Well, yeah, I was, that article's fun. It turned out really well. So, yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. That was very sweet, and thank you, thank you both. So, all right. Well, that that wraps up this one. But Ashley, Ashley is introducing us to another sequel next, or in in, a, in two weeks. Ashley, yeah. Um, you having us watch? Yeah. And our next time, we are, you know, just taking our own left turn away from <laughs> it's it's not a Paddington, and it's not beneath the planet of the apes. Um, but we are going to watch just, you know, a little uh, a little lovely experience about um, a British student at a 1960s American high school who has to prove himself to the leaders of a girls gang who can only date greasers, a.k.a. Grease 2, 1982, Michelle Pfeiffer. I don't know. Max Caulfield, who Maxwell Max Caulfield, Caulfield mm. who is also Rex Manning Day. Um, so and Adrian Zmed. Right. So get. Wait, Rex Manning is in Greece. This too? is Rex Manning. Rex Manning. So get excited. I legitimately saw Greece, too, before I ever saw Greece. And I think it's just Same. from all the like movies on syndication on like, I don't know, TBS, Comedy Central, whatever it was. So get ready for some fun because uh, it's just Katie, a delight. Seen I, I've seen Grease. Okay. Yes. Uh, this is. I've never seen. Very different. This, so, yeah. <laughs> but also the same. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, okay. Oh, I can't wait, Ashley. I cannot no, wait. No, wait, Ashley. Do I need to rewatch Greece in order to fully understand? No. No. Okay. No, not at all. In fact, I recommend just, not rewatching Greece just okay. so you can really experience it the way that I did, which was okay. not having any reference to what Greece was. This may have also um, started my love of British men. So. Yeah. Oh my god, he's such a he's such a fucking dream. Boat. He is super dreamy in this movie. I haven't watched it in 20, 25 years. Oh, I watched it like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I like love Grace too. Of you do. But this is a dumb question I have. Mm-hmm. Does it also have singing in it? I can't remember. Or should I wait? Should I wait? <laughs> I 
mean you can't remember, Ashley? It's a musical. Oh, okay. like I'm like, I think so. Katie, the songs are so good. Oh my god. There's one about reproduction. Mm, oh great. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. All right. I think yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. It's, it sounds very uh teen witchy to me so far. Not off bit not not too not far. Drive, but I feel okay. like just a skosh better. Just like Just a little better? Okay. I mean that's a stretch. <laughs> Again, it's been a while. I just remember watching oh, it and really liking it. Um, and it really fits my vibe lately where I just need really lighthearted shit to watch. So yeah. that sounds awesome. I cannot wait. It sounds like fun. Um, all right. Well, thank you listeners for, for joining us uh, to talk about this. Ridiculous movie. And uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Goodbye. Bye. 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 James Francis is calling me. <laughs> He's dead, Graham. Call me from the afterlife. <laughs> Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You.